Well, welcome Cove Church. My name is Dwayne. I have the wonderful privilege and honor of being one of the pastors here. And today we get to discuss uh, something that many church fathers actually deemed the turning point for all of humanity. I know that's intriguing, right? <laughs> we're talking about the desert calling. Uh, and today we're landing in the temptation of Jesus. It's really what this whole idea of Lent is really based around. It's the 40 days, 40 nights in the desert. Jesus experienced it. And we see that Jesus, he would take this time to refrain from certain worldly pleasures in order to draw closer with God. And we're going to see him do that today through this crucible of testing and learning and trusting. You might be asking yourself, well, Dwayne, why is it that, that the temptation would be the turning point for all of humanity? Surely there's the, the resurrection or, or maybe the birth of Jesus. And I'm not going to get into debating those things with you. The, the church fathers said it, so <laughs> you could take it up with them. But I think if I understand what they're getting at uh, accurately, I think what they're getting at is that there's something about the temptation of Jesus that was designed to clarify some things for us and Jesus himself. So in this, I believe we're going to find that, that God, he, through Jesus' journey in the desert, God is clarifying our purpose. He's clarifying um, God's process and how he shows up in our life. And ultimately, the temptation shows for us God's promise to us in his faithfulness. Boy, clarity would be a great thing to have, wouldn't it? Man, oftentimes my relationship with God, it seems like there's a lot more frustration, or not even frustration, there's a lot more confusion than there is clarity. Questions like, why is this happening, God? You know, and maybe you can relate to some of these questions. You know, why do I struggle with that sickness or that ailment that I've had in my life for so long? Why do I have to continually go through the doctor's phone calls and get no hope in this and in that? And, or, or why do I struggle with anxiety or depression or this addiction Maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe, maybe the question is, why did you even make me this way? I'm always so misunderstood by others, and I struggle in relating with other people. Maybe it's deeper even still. You know, how could you let that happen to me all those years ago, God? You were supposed to protect me. I was only a child. Don't understand it. Can you relate with some of those questions? Today, we get to explore what it could look like with Jesus being the one to clarify rather than confuse. That as the church fathers called the temptation in the desert the turning point for all of humanity, I'm hoping that today we get to experience a turning point in our own lives. A 
turning towards clarity. And really, it starts with this point. That Jesus clarifies our purpose. Jesus clarifies our purpose. We're going to be in Matthew 3, 13. If you would like to read it with me, you can. It says, Jesus left Galilee and went to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John kept objecting and said, I ought to be baptized by you. Why have you come to me? Jesus answered, For now this is how it should be, because we must do all God wants us to do. Then John agreed. So Jesus was baptized. And as soon as he came out of the water, the sky opened, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down on him like a dove. Then a voice from heaven said, This is my own dear Son, and I am pleased with him. I think when we talk about purpose, it, it's, we must point out the fact that it's easy to try to find purpose in all the wrong places, right? <laughs> Uh, I've, I've found purpose in, my, in sports, uh, like basketball, and now I got some injuries so I can't even play like I used to. <laughs> I found purpose in work, in, in parenting, in husbanding, not so sure that's a word. Uh, but many things in this world, they seem to offer us purpose. I recall Pastor Sean one time reflecting on a story, actually a, a coach that he had. And he said that this coach would often tell them that you need to live for something other than football because life goes on after football. There's a wisdom there that we can all glean from. But we see here that, that John the Baptist, and I love this because the Bible, it doesn't, like, it doesn't hold back when he's talking about these different characters of the Bible. It shows all of their struggles, all their pitfalls, everything. It's all laid bare. And we see here that John the Baptist was actually struggling, struggling to know his purpose. We would even associate John with being a baptizer. That's why we call him John the Baptist. We almost associate his purpose was being the baptizer, right? So his purpose was to baptize people in the waters of repentance and judgment, right? And, and he struggles to the point where he even argues with Jesus a little bit. John saying, no, Jesus, I, I need to be baptized by you. I, I deserve to repent. I deserve judgment. You need to baptize me, Jesus. And you see, John thought that Jesus had come to execute God's judgment. But Jesus had come to experience God's judgment. John's purpose was wrapped up in this false idea of what he thought God was asking for him to do. He never thought that a king would actually come to be the one to serve and to take his place, to be the substitution. What kind of king would do that, right? And that's the point. Because when Jesus goes into the waters, you know what he's saying to John? He's saying, I'm going to take your place. 
He's saying, I'm going to satisfy the judgment of the Father. I'm going to take that on myself. And man, that is what he's saying to each and every one of us. This is all part of God's amazing plan. A plan that treats his son like a sinner in order that all sinners can be treated like sons. And that call to sonship is exactly what we see, right? So John baptizes Jesus and the spirit comes down upon him. And God says what? He says, this is my son. I'm pleased with my son. You see, the father was pleased with Jesus way before Jesus did anything to please him. There was no active ministry of Jesus healing the, the, um, the blind eyes and, and healing the sick and the lepers or casting out demons. None of that was there yet. But Jesus got his identity. See, Jesus' purpose it was not in what he did for his father. Jesus' purpose was in relationship with his father. And this is what Jesus wants to clarify for us. That your purpose and that my purpose, it, it's not found in what we do or what we don't do. Our purpose is found in relationship with our Father. And that's how Jesus clarifies our purpose. That's the first thing. The second thing, Jesus clarifies God's process. Now, we're going to be in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. It's going to be a little bit longer a section. So if you don't want to uh, read it with me, I would encourage you to just close your eyes and just set the scene. Picture this scene in your mind. All right. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert so that the devil could test him. After Jesus had gone without eating for 40 days and nights, he was very hungry. Then the devil came to him and said, if you are God's son, tell these stones to turn into bread. Jesus answered, the scriptures say, no one can live only on food. People need every word that God has spoken. Next, the devil took Jesus into the holy city, to the highest part of the temple. The devil said, if you are God's son, jump off. The scriptures say, God will give his angels orders over you. They will catch you in their arms and you won't hurt your feet on the stones. Jesus answered, the scriptures also say, don't try to test the Lord your God. Finally, the devil took Jesus up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms and their power. The devil said to him, I will give you all this if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus answered, go away, Satan. The scriptures say, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left Jesus and angels came to help him. For a long time, I struggled with the fact that it was the Spirit of God that led Jesus into the desert. I didn't understand that. How could that be? And, and so the picture is set, right? 
that picture has this wonderful experience with God. Uh, Jesus has this wonderful experience with God, this powerful spiritual experience. He gets his identity, right? God's pleased with me. Yes, I got the spirit. I'm going out, right? And then he's led to a place of hunger and of testing with wild beasts and cold nights. And let's face it, probably a lot of boredom, too. <laughs> I mean, how many want to sign up for this, right? And think about it. What, what in the world are you going to do for 40 days and nights, especially with no food? <laughs> you ask me to go somewhere for 40 days and nights, I'm, my first question is, is there going to be food? <laughs> I, I, I think I'm honored by Jesus because like the whole thing with Jesus going out, spending that time alone, I would have found a way to get in trouble. That much free time on my hands. <laughs> but I love this because he fasted. And I love the fact that 40 days and nights, Jesus, he had a human need a very human need. Imagine that much time without food and the aches and the cramps and the pain that you would be experiencing in your physical body. See, this, this fasting, it represents a physical need. He was hungry, he was weak, and he was afflicted by the demonic. But he was human. He can relate with our suffering. And that is part of God's process, is relatability. To not just stand outside and look on and say, this is what they're struggling with, but to come and be a part of it, to relate with us. I believe wholeheartedly that there's some people that can hear my voice right now that have developed a very shallow relationship with God. Because immediately after your powerful spiritual experience, the Spirit led you into the desert. You become jaded, become cynical, frustrated. You think to yourself that, that life with God is supposed to be easier than this, or maybe God, he should have stopped this pain. This can't be part of God's plan. And I think rarely do we ever refer to this desert experience. We don't see the hardship and the suffering as the very thing that God uses to bring us deeper in relationship with him. He wants to take us deeper deeper levels of trust, deeper levels of faith. It's interesting that when Israel was in the desert for 40 years, they, they wrestled with a lot of the same stuff. And um, they had similar questions and, and similar concerns and a lot of discontentment. <laughs> and Moses actually had clarified their reality in Deuteronomy 8, 
verses 2 through 3. And I just want to read this for you. Catch this. He said, Don't forget how the Lord your God has led you through the desert for the last 40 years. He wanted to find out if you were, here's what he wanted to find out. He wanted to find out if you were truly willing to obey him and depend on him. To obey and depend on him. So he made you go hungry. Then he gave you manna, a kind of food that you and your ancestors had never heard about. Now check this. The Lord was teaching you that people need more than food to live. They need every word that the Lord has spoken. Jesus going to the desert, it shows this process. It's a process of, of learning to give God everything. To trust God with everything. To, to hear his voice and also to do what he says. For us, we can see that God's process, it, it involves hard things in our life. Did he want those things for you? No. But will he use those things for you? Absolutely. Don't let those things be wasted. Let him show his faithfulness to you in that. This is the desert calling. And this is really what we participate in with Lent. To, to maybe go a little hungry, uh, to put down social media or this substance uh, in, in, for a short time in order to find greater levels of dependence on our Father. That man doesn't live on bread alone. So maybe that intentional time of prayer can be, can be geared towards those, those deep questions that we would have those painful questions that we have. And maybe we'll get some clarity as to why those things happened when we hear from our Father. Look, Jesus, he didn't forsake the cross. That was God's process for him. And we are all called to carry our cross. And, and the ironic thing it's not even ironic. The truth is that God asked for Jesus to carry his cross because that was the hardship that God wanted to walk through with him. So when we're asked to carry our cross, God wants to walk with us through that hardship. And we see that Jesus was tested. He had every opportunity to be God without any uh, any of the, the hardship. He could have taken the easy way out. But he chose the desert because he knew that that's where the Father was. Because Jesus clarifies God's process. Third, that's the second point. The third point is that Jesus clarifies God's promise. I want to do things a little bit different today. Just for the sake of this point, I wanted to um, show you my friend Bryant Nettles' testimony. It's a testimony that puts um, all these things into one nice 
compact, powerful story of God's faithfulness. So I'd love for you to check that out now. My name is Bryant Nettles, and this is how my life changed. I was wondering, can you just maybe let everybody know just kind of where the journey started for you? Yeah, so um, it all came about um, in, so in um, February, February, um, actually, excuse me, uh, January um, 25th, of 2014, um, I was diagnosed with uh, kidney failure. Yeah, what kind of answers did you get from the doctors? Um, not not the answers really that we had wanted. I you know I remember vividly um, being in the emergency room, and um, the doctor coming in, uh, multiple doctors, but this one specific doctor and came in and said. Um, what you have is a form of kidney failure. And I remember laying in the hospital bed um, in the little, in the um, emergency room, in the triage center there, and me, my wife, um, and my mom were in there and just breaking down. I'm wondering, in, in the midst of all that hardship, was there, was there anything that God was communicating to you? Is there any, like, word that God had given you? If it's anything that he was speaking, what he was telling me, I, I got you. I, I have, I'm in control. I'm going to take care of you. Um, and along that process, it, it, was, it was tough, but that's what he just kept saying. I, I have you, I got you. And, and sometimes it was hard to really understand that and, and believe that. Um, and just kept saying, stick with me, stick with me. I'll, I'll take care of you. What was it like to live in that tension and just be told by God to just trust me? It, it, to be honest, it was really hard. It, it was, <laughs> it, it's one of those things that it really tested me, you know, it, you know, saying I got you. Well, if you have me, then, you know, why aren't you taking control? Why isn't this happening now? So you're, you know, you're telling me that you will, you have it and you're continue. I, I hear this every day. I'm, I'm going to take care of you. But yet, I, I don't see anything. Yet, I am still going to dialysis uh, three days a week inside the clinic for four hours. Which is not fun. Which is not fun. Not fun at That's all. It's the, the needle in it's, there. It's and... the needle going in the arm. Um, you know, you get poked with two needles um, in that process. They remove fluid, um, clean your blood. And I was doing that, th you know, um, I did that three days a week or, or three times. So I'd do it three times a week for four hours. And that was for the first um, three years. And then um, after that point, I had gone home and I was doing dialysis five days a week for about four hours. So th that process, you know, it kept saying, I have you, I have you. And then finally, it was just one of those things where after him kind of finally me saying, you know what, you, you, you said you have me. I, I just have to let go. I have to let, I, I have to stop trying to fight you because that's what it was. It was a, it was a, it was a knocking. Like if, if you have me, then take care of me. Nope, I have you. And finally, I just kind of let go and realized that it's not my will. You know, it, it's his will. He will take care of it. And as soon as I let that go, it was like, you know, it's like you, I've just felt like, 
oh my gosh, a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. So six years go by. Yes. We're talking dialysis. Yes. We're talking hopelessness. Yes. Dialysis. Yes. The, the grind yep. of distrust, everything that you've described yep. so far. Yep. Six years go by. Mm -hmm. What happens? Six years go by, um, you know, and, and continuing to, you know, have, to have my faith in the Lord. And I can remember it um, January 27th of um, 2020. Um, I was sitting on the floor um, at my mother-in-law's. I had my kids were over there. Uh, we were hanging out, having dinner, just hanging out. Uh, wife was at work. Um, I remember getting a phone call. And it, if, for me, if, I, if you call me and I don't know your number and you don't leave a message, my thought is that it can't be that important. So I get this phone, this phone call. I look down at my phone, unknown, no number. I'm not going to answer it. My mother-in-law said, yeah, I think you should answer it. It's probably your wife at work. You know, it's probably a shell. That's my wife. And, and I said, well, she'll leave a message, right? So they left a the message. Oh, okay. That's weird. Uh, and in that message was a call from Legacy Transplant Services, Bryant. This is so-and-so. I can't remember the gal's name. This is so-and-so from Legacy Transplant Services. I'm just calling to let you know that we have a kidney available to you. In that moment when you got that phone call, was, was it just like this? Can you try to describe the, what was going on and the emotion of it in, in your relationship with God and, and how, can you just speak to that a little bit? It, it, was, it, was, um, it was that moment of, I told you that I had you. I told you that, that you were going to be okay. I was going to get, I was, I was going to take care of you and I will take care of you and I will continue to take care of you. So that was that message. Just, just lean in, trust me. And it's, and it is, and, it, and it's one thing it's really made me realize is that, you know, um, God is bigger than anything that I can face. Right. And if I lay it all to him, he'll take care of it. How did that make you feel as an individual that God was saying that to you and that he confirmed everything? Because, I mean, he made this amazing promise in the beginning. Right. And then to watch it come full circle. How, how did that make you feel? Did that give you purpose? And <laughs> it, it really solidified that, you know, we serve a mighty God and, and he, you know, he says what he, he says he is and he, he will do, he will keep his promises and that, you know, you continuing to be faithful to me, here's your reward. You know, he, here, here it is. I told you. And, and, and that was that, that was that, that calling. Hey, we're going to take care of you. What would you say to the person that maybe is, is fighting God on it a little bit? Maybe they're struggling with the distrust. Yeah, I would say um, to lean in, to lean in, to, to uh, you know, speaking for myself in, in, in regards to, you know, being able to drop those walls um, and, and let, let God um, just, just do what he does and, and let him, let him into your life. 
Um, let him speak to you in, you know, in subtle ways, whether it be, you know, joining a small group or, um, you know, meeting up with coffee or even reaching out to the staff, you know, here at Cove, you know, wonderful individuals. Um, ha having somebody goes along with, you know, what I was just saying that let somebody walk with you. Let somebody help you along to help you knock down those barriers so that you can really lean in and that you can really trust um, because I am, I, I'm living proof, living proof of, of, of God's faithfulness and, and that he says what he says he, he will do according to his will and according to his time. Because if it's according to you, it's not going to work out and, and you're going to battle. You're going to battle like I did. So let those walls down, be vulnerable and, and, and just let God lead you. So good. What a powerful testimony to God's faithfulness. When we're talking about God's promise to us, we, we can't take that lightly because really the crux of it is God is faithful to you. He's faithful to me. See, if there, if there is any promise that we need to hear in this day, it is just that, that God is faithful. That God is faithful. I understand also, understand that not everybody has a, um, a happy ending to their story. Many of us um, are still in process. We're still f waiting on doctor's phone calls. We're, we're still battling against that addiction. We're still battling with certain things in our lives, hardships, struggles, suffering. I understand that. The, the point of this story was not to make light of your, um, your hardship or to even give you false hope that you're going to have the same type of faithful situation in your life. That is not the point. But the point of this, the point of this is to, to ask you, what is your desert calling? And as Bryant said, whatever, whatever that thing is, lean in. Lean into God. That, that He wants to be a part of that. He wants to show off in your life. Would you lean in and would you let your turning point be today?